morning, everyone. This is the best podcast in the world. This is the Strength and Skills podcast. My name is Nick Tibuzek, and with me, there's the only Don Rado Bosic in the house. Good morning, Rado. How are Good you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Um, I'm doing great as well. I love it. Yeah, I love it's it. Sunny, it's a sunny day here in Munich. I don't know how it is in Vienna. Oh, but it's totally shit here in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can really see that spring is coming in here in full power so that's that's a good thing i i uh actually i started doing walks in the morning to uh one one of my my fucking subway stations here whatever that is mm -hmm. um uh, so I, I i take one that is a little bit far away so i have a every morning i have a 10 to 15 minute walk and while i was walking there and everything was gray and i was like but oh yeah, yeah. Turned into this moody person in the morning, you know. I was like, "Hell, Nick, you can't do it like that in the morning." Fucking hell, what are you thinking here right now? Don't don't go that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also saw you do that in the evening as well, right? When you're going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's something that I picked up from you. Like, I also tend to leave one station earlier now just to go for a walk after the whole day. It's it's so rewarding, you know. It's a it's a nice way to kind of cool down and just, you know, chill out from the day and everything. Really? It, it, and I, I actually, when I'm in the evening, I also use it sometimes to just, um, it depends a little bit on if, if I need some time for myself, I just take my time for myself. And sometimes I, I just do something that I do way too less and it's just calling friends. Mm-hmm. You know, as as I, I live in Vienna, I'm I'm I'm, I'm originally from um, Germany, and I do have loads of friends there still, old friends, and uh, I just call them and say, hey, how you doing? Let's have a twenty minute talk while I'm walking home. How you doing? How's life doing? And uh, yeah. that, that I love that. You know, because that's something you usually just don't take your you don't take that time out of the day usually. And so I just can keep holding yeah. on. Yeah, you create the opportunity for that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's really that's, cool. that's something I, I just I just brought that in during the past few days, and I just love it. That's something awesome. I enjoy that. But that's not the topic that we have today. <laughs> Holy mother! Um, before we started this podcast. You started telling a story that I said I need to hear that in the podcast because it started so good. And yeah, Nick, Nick. Problems in the gym that you trade at. Please tell me about it because I love the people to hear about it because that's just a good story. <laughs> yeah, Nick really wants me to tell about this. Like, uh, I noted in the last pod podcast that I started training powerlifting a few months back, and uh, the thing with powerlifting it's it's a very I would say materialistic based sport because you kind of want to have the perfect equipment, the perfect um, setting, clothing, you know, shoes and everything, a good belt and whatsoever. And in the gym that I go to, the barbells there are just terrible. There's no knurling. You can't grip it. You have to use loads of chalk in, that, in order to actually have a good grip. And also, even when you load like 140 kilos, the barbell already starts to bend, uh, which is obviously an issue when you're increasing loads and trying to progress further. Because when you go into a competition setting where the barbell is stiff, you'll be shocked. You know, it's just going to destroy you. 
And my coach noticed that, and I also noticed that, and we were talking and he suggested that I buy my own barbell, um, something that's almost competition-like and used in a competition, and asked the guys there if it were okay for me, if it was okay for me to actually bring my barbell in. I mean, and I'm, you know, <laughs> and I was very skeptic about it because I'm in Germany and people like to follow rules here, and it's also a commercial gym. And you can imagine, like, imagine a commercial commercial gym where everyone is bringing their own equipment. I mean, that would be like a chaos, you know. And uh, when I when I picked up the courage to actually ask them, I, I did that, and it's it's been a surprise, a pleasant surprise to me how cool the guys in the gym were with that. Because I explained, you know, I want to train for a competition, I want to get ready and everything. Because I had a good reasoning. They were like, "Yeah, absolutely, go for it," you know. So I brought a power bar. Um, and I brought it in and the past week I've been training with my own barbell and I also have a room there where I can storage it so that I don't have to bring it every time, which is very good. Uh, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a total meme now, you know, the classic powerlifter bringing his own barbell in the gym. So <laughs> I'm proud of that, you know, gotta do whatever you gotta do to, to achieve the goal. Use every means possible. Actually, I love it because that's you know that, that's some sort of commitment. Not everybody is bringing into into that. You know, that's oh, yeah. just you know you saw a problem and you just fixed it, and, and yeah. you love that. You know, because that that's something I always see with people. Yeah, I have a problem. Yeah, but I just keep it because I can't change it. You can. You can, because if you don't ask, the answer is always no, but you did ask and it's not an issue at all because why should it be? You know, and yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't don't I mean don't think that I didn't get crazy looks, especially from other people working there, because they only talked to the studio manager, you know, and he forgot to tell other people who were working there. And when I came into the gym with my barbell <laughs> at the reception, the girl was like, What are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing with the barbell on the reception? And I tried to explain it and she was like, oh, okay. So yeah, a lot of people actually, I think most people think that's crazy, but I think it's uh, it's uh, when you're when you're serious about something, you know, definitely go for it. Who cares what other people think, you know? I, I get that, I totally get that. Yeah. You know, we have loads of clients who are actually bringing their rings into into the studio and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, the Kelly Stank stuff and like that. Nobody's. I was never thinking about that. This could be an issue, but sometimes it actually is. And uh, I, I absolutely get the point with the barbell as that is. It, it is in most gyms. It's it's an actual big problem. You just don't have good good barbells there. And everybody who is a little bit more into training, and I think most people who listen to this podcast are. I mean, you know what a difference it can be. I mean, everybody knows the difference of of a classic bar for the pull-ups, you know how much that can make a, of a difference. And when you have a barbell, that's, the, that's to me, I completely get that. In, in our gym, I have my own barbell. I don't use anything else than that because that's mine. And I don't want the, the other barbells because I just hate them. It, it, one, one of them is just an Olympic bar and that, that's super bendy. And I just, I can't, I can't. Yeah. It's just be so yeah. shit. Whatever you do, if it's squats, if it's if it's if it's any kind of, of deadlifting stuff, I hate it. I hate it. I want my stiff bar. <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly the point. So yeah. <laughs> Fuck it up. I absolutely get that. 
I've been loving, I've been loving it. The past week of training with that barbell, it's so good. It's, I feel like I'm reborn, honestly. Yeah, and you're hitting PRs again. I love that. That's you just it. had a had a had a bench PR, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's going really well. Bench PR, uh, deadlifts have been going well. Squat as well. My back is fine again, so we're good to go. Yeah, I love to hear that. Really <laughs> but we have to go back to topic. We went off topic, but I I just love that story, and so we had to bring it in. <laughs> Hopefully, it motivates someone to bring their own barbell in the gym or equipment. Do Don't constrain do. yourself. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Don't restrict yourself. Ask. The answer will be yes. Go for it. Exactly. <laughs> just be a nice person and yeah, ask. Hey, right. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to 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 make the best progress I can. And nobody in a gym, nobody in a gym will restrict that usually. Yeah, seriously, like don't be afraid to ask because you literally don't have anything to lose. You know, I was afraid initially, but then I was thinking like I really don't have anything to lose. Let's just go for it and try yeah. it. You know? Yeah, That's because if you don't ask. The answer will is already yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And if yeah. you have the answer, bring it in. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. All right. Um, I think we can go back to the topic that we actually probably when when somebody is going to hear this podcast, he probably went in for the info that we are having on the the, the topic for the podcast, which will be something around maybe like three mistakes everybody's doing for, for handstands as uh, I, I just, this morning <laughs> I, w I was, I was uh, on my way into the office and I was thinking, okay, what can we actually talk about today? Mm -hmm. And something that I noticed a lot was people having issues learning a handstand. And from, from my point of view, I was always like, well, uh, learning a handstand is super easy. And I don't get why people have so many troubles with it. And everybody's like, yeah, because you have to learn the balance thing and you have to do this and that and blah. And I'm like, you know what? We should talk about these big mistakes people are doing on the way because it's so much. Actually, how much time did it take you to learn a handstand? <laughs> yeah, I, my my example is probably not the best one for what you just mentioned because I think it took me like a year to a get a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's only because I actually made the mistakes that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> so <I'm, laughs> it's crazy because I, I, you know it took me six weeks to get my first twenty second handstand. Yeah, yeah. And and this is why I'm always like. And I, I like that I'm uh, that I think this way. It's super easy because it is. It actually is. Once you understood how easy it can be, when when you just yeah. just avoid some stupid mistakes. And the first one is, in most cases, people just don't have the the strength base to do handstands. And this this is not just you have to be able. To, to overhead press uh, fifty percent of your body weight. <laughs> exactly, stuff like that. That's not the case. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, sure, it could help you, but you don't need to have that. Yeah. But there should be a kind of an athletic base that you that you just need a kind of a strength base that you need, especially when it comes to the shoulder girdle, and just 
being able to hold that. And then everybody else is like, you need a very good mobility base and you need to learn the bridge before, otherwise you can't do a handstand. And that's also not the case, it's just not true. I know yeah. loads of people who do handstands but just can't even do a bridge or something. I mean, yeah. we, we have to say you should have an acceptable overhead reach. I mean, to put up your hands and position your elbows and wrists right above your your shoulders without having a completely arched back should be something that you should be able uh, to do yeah. that's that's definitely the case i mean that's that's a that's a base we, we we probably need but most in i'm saying most not everybody but most people are able to to do that and most people are easily to get into that i mean we also have someone in our own coaching who's actually not able to do to, to, to bring up the hands into into this uh, position. <laughs> He's just able to do the, the German word for that would be a Hitler course. Uh, he, he just, <laughs> oh my God. I'm tired on that. You know? <laughs> and I'm always like, hmm, okay. <laughs> but, gotta be careful with that, yeah. Yeah, we, we gotta be careful. You can go to prison for that. <laughs> <laughs> for doing a handstand. Huh? <laughs> so don't, don't go to prison for your shitty handstand. <laughs> for, for your shitty shoulder flexion, yeah. <laughs> it's another reason to open up the shoulders in the handstand. <laughs> So, so actually, yes, we need a kind of a mobility base, but um, it's not that we need to be super flexible and stuff like that, but yeah. kind of a mobility. And this is also another thing we, I think we mentioned that before in another episode, uh, the difference between this flexibility and mobility thing. So I just don't want to get into that too deep mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. But that's that that what I already mentioned with where your arm should be and shouldn't be <laughs> um, is actually something we, we need that as a base and then we need to fill that with some kind of strength and um, at that point this strength base what would you say what what do we actually need here well, I mean, you know, you have some people suggesting that uh, you should be able to press 50% of your uh, body weight overhead. And I mean, sure, you could use that as uh, a potential requirement for the handstand, but it's not necessary. You know, um, I wouldn't restrict someone from practicing handstands if they don't, if they still aren't able to do uh, a half of their body weight in the overhead press, but they have they have shown sufficient strength in progressions towards the handstand to actually perform a handstand, you know? So what I would do in that case is have someone practice both balancing and strength at the same time. And you're going to be having both of these kind of aiding each other and feeding off each other uh, during that process. So there is no strict, there is no strict um, requirement that you have to fulfill before you get into handstands, but you can see during progressions. I mean, if I see someone is doing this half handstand in the L position, uh, with their feet on an elevation and then just trying to hold um, that vertical position of the torso. And I already see that their shoulders are sinking there or going into uh, depression. They're not able to hold that elevated position in the flex position of the shoulders. Then that's a clear indicator for me. Okay, we probably shouldn't be going into something like a wall handset, for example. Yeah. yeah. So I would, I would, in that case, use the progressions towards the handstand as an indicator of 
uh, whether someone has sufficient strength for holding the handstand or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what, what I like actually to do is uh, working in a way that is pretty similar to a handstand and that's, that's, that's a very simple thing, but making people be able to do like maybe five very solid wall walks mm -hmm. in a row. And that's actually five is hard. That's really hard, yeah. It is, but it makes sure people are able to do it. You know, when you can do five solid wall walks, you're pretty good to go for a handstand. And you're also very, very safe usually. And, and the, the, the very important part here is it already taught you something that is super important. When I'm talking about this strength base, this is also about a base of how you actually are able to, to feel and control your body, which mm -hmm. is actually the, the most important thing in a handstand. That's not so much about strength. It's mostly about how can you actually, how much feeling do you have for your body? Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not an, a handstand artist, you know, because uh, I know people who are very, very deep into this. And we already had him on a podcast, Ulrich, Ulrich on hands, you know. Yeah. Um, and what, what, what I see is people really overcomplicate handstand things and undercomplicate handstand things. So for most people, it's just a, oh, yeah, I just like to learn a handstand and do a try and error and just fall over and fall over and fall yeah. over. Yeah. And, you know, there's one thing that we definitely need to keep in mind. We need, also need to learn this falling over. You know, I have a very funny uh, story about that. Did, did I ever tell you about how I broke my toe? I don't think so. Well, Maybe yes, but I don't remember. In my very first beginning, <laughs> I think it must have been somewhere in 2013, I think so. In, but pretty much by the end of 2013. <laughs> you know, I, I started training in 2013. Wow. Okay. Then, uh, I calisthenics, you know. And I, yeah. I, of course, the handstand was a goal of mine. You know? I, I had no clue how to fall. And then, then of course, I tried to learn a handstand and... Um, at that point, I was, I was alone at home, and <laughs> I tried to, to to do it in the. I have no idea what's that in in, in German, but um, in, in Flur. What's that, uh, what's that in English? In Flur, for no, what's the word not, for that? It's not the basement. No, yeah, no, no, it's not the basement. That that would be the keller. Um, so so now you're learning some some German words here, um, but that the room when you come into a flat. The first thing. Ah, uh, uh, damn. I forgot the word. I, I don't. It, it's not that. It's like it's like the entrance room or yeah, something like that. Yeah. I was, I was training there, um, try, trying to learn the handstand. <laughs> there was there was actually me trying to do that, not thinking about where am I going to fall, you know. <laughs> So you can you can imagine how <laughs> how restricted in place I was actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I fell over. I fell with my foot in, into this this little cupboard where the shoes were in, and just looked at my foot. And it didn't. I didn't even feel pain. But my big toe on the right foot just were like completely to the side. Dislocated, huh? Dislocated in yeah. in the first 
um, thing there. You know, you, you can bend it. And the first one was, and it was like standing first, away. And yeah, I, was, yeah. I was looking at my foot and, well, Nick, you just tried to learn a handstand and broke your toe. Well done. Well done. Well, and I, so that was one of your first attempts, no? That, that was one of my first attempts. So yeah. wow. I, I did a very shitty strategy here. Because I had no space. <laughs> Actually, I had no strategy. So yeah. I sent it to my neighbor. He was training with me. Dennis was his name. Um, he was actually one of the founders of Calisthenics Wetzlar. When we, okay. Um, very nice guy. He's a physiotherapist today. Um, and <laughs> I just texted him, are you home? And he said, yeah, I am. Why? And I just sent him the picture of my toe. Can you, can you just maybe drive me to the, to the hospital because he's not able to do that. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck did you do? And I was, I tried to learn a handstand and he just walked into a lab and was like, you're so stupid. Oh man, I can imagine the doctor's reaction as well when you told him what you, what you were doing. <laughs> what did you do? I tried to learn a handstand. So learn from my mistake. Go in there with the strategy, and <laughs> yeah, like the first step is obviously having the environment set up in a good way. You know, have, make sure to have enough space around you, yeah, in I case mean, you fall down, that you don't fall down and injure yourself. You know, yeah, so. that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, safety first. <laughs> so safety first. Then the next thing here would be, I try to get into a handstand, free, and that's a classic one I see every time. Yeah, when when you can't do a handstand, no, not at all, you, you're not able to balance. Why do you think it's a good idea to try it free and just try to hold it? it the better way would be to go to a wall, mm. do a wall walk, be in a in a belly to wall handstand position, and from there learn the balancing part. You know, that, that's a super important thing. When yeah. you, while you're learning that, you can also, and maybe let's do, let's do it that way that you try this for five times uh, 10 seconds. Once you learn that, you go into this thing of, okay, I can balance a little bit. Now I learn falling. One of the first things that you should learn, and learn that from my experience. <laughs> is actually learn to fall. You will fall so many times when it comes to handstands. You fall all the time. I mean, I still fall sometimes. But um, it is super important to understand that you need to be able to fall safely so that you don't break your toe. <laughs> so that, that, that's the, the, the next takeaway that I would want you to, to have here, you know. Um, the strategy of, of, of a handstand is really like you need a proper strength base. You need to be, you know, I would usually say when someone is not never trained at all mm -hmm. and you really want to get into the handstand thing, just don't think about the handstand for the first half of a year. Mm -hmm. Because when, when, you, when you train and you, you, you start training and you never trained before, First, what we need is 
having a base and understanding the basics because that would get you into a feeling for your body. Mm. And this is something I just, you know, everybody's like, I want to have my results very fast. And I'm always telling people, yeah, you can have results fast. It is possible, definitely. But it's this, there's a way that's just smarter because you can actually get the goals that you want so much easier when you start doing that. And this is for me, after this big fail that I had, I, I didn't train handstand for, I think, more, more than one and a half years. I didn't train after, it. After I that? Was, after that, I didn't do it. Nothing. I just built my base, had my strength training of calisthenics, doing my push-ups, my pull-ups, and stuff like that. And then I went into, I was like, everybody around me at that point was like, yeah, that's, I'm training for a handstand. And Dennis, my neighbor, he was also already training on the handstand. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back into that. And I took my time and it took me six weeks to learn my handstand. Wow, that's I crazy. Had- that's, that's actually crazy because like most people will be traumatized by the experience that you had with the toe being dislocated, you know, and they wouldn't actually try at all. <laughs> I, I would be traumatized myself. You know, I don't know if I would manage to get it in six weeks. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, but that was something I really learned that. Um, on that way, there was also another thing that I learned during that time. You know, I had the same strategic thing here. I learned it on the wall. Um, I used not only the floor, I also used parallels mm-hmm. because there's one thing everybody is really missing out on on the strategic thing. You got to 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 spend time on, on overhead on your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people, and I was the same th- person, have not a wrist that's tolerating so much volume on the wrist because when you are on the floor and you're beginning, the wrist is just not prepared for that pressure, yeah. that, that bending and falling over where you bend it a little bit, just a tiny bit more. And, you know, everybody that I know who's training handstands a lot has wrist issues. And there, there's a reason why. Because it's just in this bad, I don't want to say it's a bad position, but it's just a bent position, you know? And um, yeah. you can avoid that and spend more time on your hands, on overhead, when you use parallels. And I know for the hands and artists, that's a very uncommon um, thing to say that because they, they just don't like parallels. But in my experience, people just learn it on parallels much faster. And it's extremely important to spend time on your hands. And this is a way how you can actually spend more time on your hands. Mm-hmm. And there, there is another thing that this is my third mistake that I wanted to mention here is people are spending either too much or too less time in the handstand. There's a sweet spot in between, and there's a too less and a too much. Too less mm. is just you don't get enough time to practice it into it. And the other hand would be you just have the issue that you overtrain the wrists, the shoulders, you get into injury because that's a static position. And it's the body is not made for being on hands all the time. You know, so the 
you, you never did that in your life. So you probably overwork structures because they are not used to that work. work. So this is another reason why I say you need a strength base because then your body is probably a little bit of, of yeah, being it, used to having an impact. Exactly, yeah. What, what strength training does is it kind of builds up your threshold in the baseline, you know, and once you go into a handstand, if you have, say, I don't know, a really solid set of eight pike push-ups, or you're repping a considerable weight on the overhead press, going overhead is going to be much, much easier than in comparison to someone who doesn't have that strength baseline, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, something that I also wanted to connect to is, I mean, I, I basically made all the mistakes that you mentioned when I was trying, trying to get a handstand, and it's exactly the reason why it took me one year to get it. Like, I... Once I got a back to wall handstand, like I completely skipped the belly to wall thing. I didn't do it at all. Like my first step was I wanted to kick up into a handstand and just try and hold it against the wall. Like when I did it for the first time, I was super happy because I never, never done a handstand. I've never done a handstand in my life. And just this feeling of being overhead was so, it was so rewarding. And then like from there, once I thought I'd, I'm like, I'm confident enough to go freestanding and without a wall. I was just kicking up and kicking up for like literally a year, getting two to three seconds max mm -hmm. and being so frustrated that I almost gave up on this. I was like, I, I'm never going to be able to hold a handstand. And I was, I was, I was thinking about the process. I, I was checking some material on, on the internet and um, the, the obvious next step was to actually take a step back and go back to the wall, you know, get comfortable mm -hmm. with that. Um, Practice your alignment, get get everything on point there. Because um, what the wall is going to do is it's going to allow you to actually spend more time freestanding in comparison to just you trying to kick up. Because you can always use the wall to get back to it and readjust once you fall out of positioning. And this freestanding time is probably the most important part of the handstand in, in, in order to actually learn the handstand. Yeah. You, know, you just you just can't expect to learn it by kicking up and spending two to three seconds then and falling down. That's not how the body is going to ingrain this position and actually learn to adapt to it. Uh, so wall handstands have been it's it's been a major part of me actually learning the handstand and then obviously building up the strength base uh, together with that. You can never get enough of that. You know yeah. that's 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 really something that adds up and uh, aids the process of of learning the handstand. Like all of a sudden, once you build up the strength. The handstand feels effortless. The position there, it's just like you don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to think about the shoulder because it's not weak anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, and also the last thing that you mentioned with the wrist um, and the frequency of the handstand. Like the handstand is a relatively, it's it's not, not an intense motion, you know? It's something that once you are proficient with it, once you have experience with it, you can basically train it every day maybe even several times a day. But if you have time, if you have spent time with it, if you have experience with it, obviously I would never jump immediately into it, into that frequency, you know? Um, because because of the obvious reasons you mentioned, you can just overload structures, especially the wrist tends to become an issue because you mentioned you have this flexed position of it and then you literally have your whole body weight on the wrist. And you yeah. can imagine like how it is for the wrist to go from just having no weight on, on it at all to having the full body weight stacked above it because you want to learn a handstand. Uh, for me, it's and for me and for my clients, what I really like to do to condition the wrist are those wrist routines. You know, just moving into flexion, extension, uh, flexing the wrist in, in all various motions, and just really spending time there. 
maybe even having slight discomfort because once you build the threshold, threshold there, you won't be having the issue anymore once you go back to the to the to the normal handstand. Yeah. And I've made it, I've made this experience with one of my clients as well. Um, he didn't do the wrist warm up uh, in the past, but once he started to implement it, he was like, "I literally don't have any nagging pain or discomfort with the wrist just because we're doing this properly and doing this on a consistent basis before every handstand workout." Yeah. yeah. So a proper warm up does does wonders there for sure. Yeah. This is this is something you know. Just build yourself slowly into that, and that's a super important one. You know, we, we are having one client. He's from Australia, and he's a uh, let's say an older guy. He's that's a it's not old, but he's always calling himself an older guy. Many greetings to you, my man. <laughs> I know you're listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's uh, he just just sent me an email and asking yeah uh, more frequent to train more frequently for the handstand. Yeah. And, you know, I did it on purpose that we don't do it too much mm -hmm. because of that. I don't want to overdo it um, because that guy, he had a little uh, of a shoulder injury. And, you know, everybody is so much about wrists, but it's not only the wrists. It's also um, the problem that you probably, especially with people who are working a lot in the office, which is the main of the people when, when you look into the Western world, um, m m most people do a lot of, lot of office work. And um, when, when you look at that, people are restricted usually because they're heavily like this kyphosis a little bit more and um, spending time overhead can lead to even more problems because you just have that, that, that thing that you are in an elevated position with, with, that, with the arms, which leads just, it just leads to a little bit more stress to the traps. And for persons who already have maybe some some trap tightness all the time because they're sitting in front of a computer and stuff like that, this can lead to even more problems, you know. And this is not not only him that he is just you know, all the time in the office. That's just not the case. But I, I just mentioning that because I see that too too many times with people, you know. This is why we have to keep an eye on the volume for that. Mm -hmm. um, this yeah. is super important yeah you know life circumstances do matter a lot on that because that's the time you spend most in that position you know and then you bring in some some training some maybe 20 minutes of mobility a week and stuff like that it's not gonna help a lot so this is a super important one when you when you do train just keep an eye on the on the volume. You know that that's what we are yeah. doing with our clients all the time. You know, this is we are managing that because that's the job that we do. We have to manage that, and uh, we keep the eye on on that because we are the experts of that. You know, I, I hate to say I'm an expert on something, but that's actually the case here. You know, when it comes to that stuff, this is this is what we do for a living, and um. This is why you can learn from that experience so much um, as, as a listener here um, that most of the stuff that we are doing is having a good strategic um, approach to things, which is having a base, going into it with a good strategy, and then don't overdo it. That's it. And don't underdo it, of course, as well. Yeah. Having a good sweet spot here. Is, is is very much the case yeah? and of course if you need any help with that you can just uh just just hit us up and shoot us a message and ask yeah hey guys can you help me we can 
But um, to get back to 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 this uh, thing, do you have any any more things that you would see that people are doing as a mistake with with handstands? Um, I also think that a lot of people tend to overlook how important uh, the palm altogether, the hand, the fingers in a handstand are. Um, I think a lot of people don't have the connection there. And that's like going to be the deciding factor of whether or not you're going to be actually able to hold a handstand, you know, because if you don't understand how you should be working through the fingers and through the palm, you're going to be falling down all the time. You know, yeah. uh, the analogy that, that I always like to use is comparing the balancing on the hand uh, to the balancing of the feet. You know, if you were to lean forward, you would automatically sense that your toes are starting to get pressed down on the surface um, yeah. in order to actually counterbalance for your forward lean. And if you were to lean back, you can see that most of the weight is obviously on the heel. But what happens is also the knees are bending to prevent you from falling down. And the yeah. knees are similar to the elbows in the handstand, you know? Yeah. And using yeah. that analogy is a nice way to, to think about it. And the nice drill that I always like to implement um, is the frog stand, you know, because it's almost like a regression to the handstand. But what it does is it, it imitates the position of the handstand so well and it replicates the feeling of the hands in a handstand with so much less intensity, you know? Yeah. And getting that down, getting that that understanding down before you go into a handstand is going to be so valuable because all of a sudden you'll be able to control that and uh, be able to actually understand the motion itself. 100%. I'm doing that all the time with the people, you know? Yeah. First the strength, then the frog stand, then we go to the wall. And there we go. go on, there we go. You know? That's, I think that, that was a good thing. And um, that, that, that was super important to mention that. Absolutely. So one, one, one thing I have for the end, and I just want to let, let you guys have that in your mind when you do it. The core is not as important as you might think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to contract your abs in the handstand. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not so super important. The core is really... If you if somebody says you have to train the core for a handstand, he just don't know a shit about handstands. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Like the 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 stuff in that region mostly has to do with coordination and properly setting up, um, especially the hips. I think why people like to think of it as core is because uh, it's so close to the hip region, and it's actually the hip region that you want to focus on if you want to fix the alignment there. You know, yeah. and. In my experience, it's usually just coordinating and properly moving the pelvis in the handstand, which is easier said than done. Because when you're overhead, it's just a completely different feeling than when you're just standing. You know, it's yeah. so hard to actually sense that shift from the anterior pelvic tilt or that extension into more flexion or to the posterior pelvic tilt. Um, and I think a lot of people actually tend to lose that connection in, and they go into too much extension, which is causing them to have this banana handstand. You know. Yeah. So practicing that, getting the alignment in, getting the connection in. Um, a nice cue that I like to use, I don't know if uh, if you ever use that, but it's quite similar to bracing in a, in a squat, is thinking of the rib and the hip crease and trying to bring these two points together because that automatically drives people into a more neutral pelvis yeah. position rather yeah. than the extension, you know, and yeah. not thinking about contracting the core because that's going to be, you know, totally counterproductive to what you want to do in the handstand. Absolutely. And this usually leads to understanding that the most important part here is opening up the shoulders and bringing in an elevation 
and stacking things up in a exactly. just think of it um, like you had it in physics stack things up so you're in a good way all right i think that's a perfect way to end this one so guys if you like this podcast and you have someone who probably needs to 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 listen to this one to learn their hands then just please feel free to send it over to that person because we're recording this one to just for making people stand on hands a little bit more better, uh, more, more, more professional, just better. All right. Thank you guys for listening um, and catch you in the next episode. Rado, thank you so much for spending your time with us and um, have, have, have a good one. Thank you. <laughs>